You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I am Kenneth. And tonight we're looking at the Star Hunter Redux Season 2, Episode 9, Painless. Episode synopsis. Titan City, Titan, Saturn Federation. Two morons take drugs and beat themselves to death. The crew of the Transutopian are bored. Crime has taken a holiday and they've got no work and nothing to do. A private person-to-person call comes in from Titan City for Dante Montana. Travis inherits the call, and they soon are on their way to Titan City. He meets with a man who called, Roan Garrick, an old friend of the Montanas. His son has recently died, a victim of his own stupidity. He took a new drug that's been ravaging the streets, called Anista. The drug not only suppresses your ability to feel pain, it also causes a euphoric sensation whenever you experience something that would be causing you pain. As a result, people who take it inflict pain and beatings on their bodies until they die. It's all very nasty. Even police captain Dalit lost her daughter to the drug, so she's working diligently to find Bliss, the code name of the crime lord in charge of Anista distribution. She's apparently not very good at her job, though, because they've got no leads. Garrick is asking for Travis's help to find Bliss and shut down the drug distribution. He takes on the job for a pittance, much to Rudolfo's chagrin. I mean, they weren't finding any work anyway, and the few cases Rudolfo can find are beneath him, so he just grumbles mostly for no apparent reason other than just being a jackass. Not only is Daliot useless as a cop, she's kind of crap with security, too. She gives Travis information about the case and samples of the deadly drug because... I'm not sure. I mean, if I weren't totally convinced by the incorruptibility and motives of a dedicated cop far too young to have a daughter killed by Anista, I'd almost expect Elliot of being the criminal mastermind behind this. <laughs> That's too obvious. Elliot uh, does a bit of digging on Montana and uncovers that he's ex-Raider and they were drug runners back in the day. She poisons the well with Garrick, who fires them, but Montana is already gone to ground as part of his investigation, which involves contacting a Martian named Frankel in charge of policing the Martian drug scene. Meanwhile, Percy proves she's the apex moron because instead of analyzing the drug Montana gives her, she takes it. And there's a whole sequence with no consequence where Percy hurts herself and Marcus tries to stop her from hurting herself. Travis calls in some old friends and is working his way towards finding Bliss, but then he's beat up but not killed. The Brain Trust back on the Transutopian buy into the theory that Frankel may actually be Bliss and Dante could be headed into a trap, so they go to the meeting too. Of course, it's a trap because in a surprise to absolutely no one, Deliot actually is Bliss and Frankel is an old chum of Travis who owed him a favor. Shootout and victory for the good guys! Garrick is once again fondly disposed towards Travis and loans him a high-tech picture of him as a baby, taken on a 0.25 megapixel digital camera and thermally printed. The end. Okay, <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with my, I'm not even gonna start with my typical Percy complaint. I'm gonna start with my, <sighs> it's the future, 
drugs are bad, ergo, drugs of the future will be really bad. So bad that I can't say no one would be dumb enough to take it, but really, come on. (laughs) There are bodies lying around all over the place that have all beaten themselves up. I mean, the cops don't even appear to be clearing them off the streets at this point. I I did notice that. Surely, surely there is an extremely limited number of people who would take this drug because it seems to inevitably lead to your own death. And surely nobody selling drugs would think that that is the right way to market a product. Right? I mean, that's that's a failure of marketing 101. Right. If you kill your customers, then you got no customers. You have to, you, there is a limit. It doesn't matter how good it is. There is a limited supply of people who will use your product. And tis better to keep an existing customer than it is to find a new one. So I find the premise of this ludicrous uh, in the extreme. So that's a, that's a problem with this i mean if it were just a drug that you know you get hooked on and you're on for 10 or 15 years and you finally your teeth fall out and you die this is one thing but this this seems to be handing you you know it's like it's like playing russian roulette with a gun with six bullets in the chamber uh or maybe you know five and a half (laughs) but this could explain why daliot was looking to expand into mars right but again like I say, I mean, that is that it, I, no joke there on the marketing. It's always easier to keep your existing yes, customers than t- it is to expand into new markets. Yeah. And, and, you know, with that comes great risk that I, you know, does she have that great risk where she is? No, she doesn't. I mean, she's in the position of being the cop who's analyzing the, the crime. So presumably she could just go on forever and not catch the guy bliss, but it, 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 you know, if she just weren't going to literally kill off the entire population of Titan City in the process. So that does, that does, you know, dispose me to, to be like, come on, come on, guys, think these things through before you start. Uh, where, where does this episode sit on the scale for you? It's somewhere in the middle. In fact, um, well, it, what, what? Well, the people are precise. Within the second season, it's somewhere in the middle for me. Um, today, I was writing out the names of the remaining episodes of this season and think, thinking about what I remembered about them and my impressions of them. And yeah, this one isn't high on my list. And there are a couple about a couple coming down the road where I just wrote meh. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I don't know. I. I mean, I, I, I don't but an improvement. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate it, but um, I'm not. You know, it's not my list of, of of top episodes to watch again. So, a couple of a couple of other things. I think casting was particularly poor. The actress playing Dahlia, Dahlia named Catherine Winslow. I, I don't know how old she is, but she just doesn't look old enough to be trying to sell the "I lost a daughter." To Anista. Now, I admit, you know, it could have been a six-year-old kid that got hold of some of the drug and killed herself. I, it's let's possible. Look, let's, let's look at that then. And then I do want to uh, mention about her cover story here, but first things first. <laughs> um, Catherine Winslow, there she is on, I'm pulling up IMDb right now. 
and it says her date of birth was 1973 in Montreal. Uh-huh. Given that this is an episode made in 2003, how so about she is 30? 30. Well, I mean, it's possible she has a teenage daughter, um, but uh, which is where I would expect you to start running into that kind of problem. But uh, it just it. I mean, one that doesn't that just uh, they should have just hired somebody older. Yeah. Right. I mean, they just should have hired somebody older if you were going to try to pull that scam. And then the second one is since she apparently bleats that story about her daughter to everyone, you have to wonder if there's an HR department in the Titan City Police Department. They go, we never had any record that you had a child on our health care plan or that you, uh, uh, you know, a a dependence or what's up with that? Why do you keep telling people you lost a daughter to this? That's suspicious. Oh, wait. That is suspicious. <laughs> yeah. Oh, speaking of that cover story, I noticed something to, uh, for the first time today, and I went back and I listened to the dialogue verbatim. Okay. When she's, when Dalliot is speaking to Roan Garrick, she says that she lost, that she lost a daughter, quote, to drugs, unquote. Yep. No. Then later, I bore the tulip, when she was speaking to Callie and Rodolfo, she said she lost the da- the daughter to Anista. Anista, that's right. Now, it occurred to me that that she may have just been telling different people different versions of the cover story. It's possible. It's possible. I I I noted that as well. Initially, she said I lost a kid to drugs, and I thought, okay, because Anista's only been around for six months. Exactly. Uh, but then later when she specifically said, I lost a daughter to Anista, I was like, okay. Uh, you know, also, I'm not entirely sure that that's how, again, I know what the counter will be. The counter will be is that the police in the future are incompetent. But I don't think you put a cop on the Anista, in charge of the Anista case whose daughter was killed from Anista because it's personal. Exactly. So it's it's. It's bad police in any way you go about it. Um, worse because she's, of course, the drug lord in the in the right. first place. But uh, and I in my synopsis, I did make I'm going to say I made an assumption. So you can correct me if I'm wrong. But she did give Travis the drugs, right? Yes, I thought she did. Okay. Okay, I remember she said she was sending the file and stuff, but I didn't actually see her hand off the vials of drugs to him. Maybe I blinked or something. But that's the only way he could have gotten it, unless he was picking it off dead bodies or something. And so, you know, as and when he got to the thing and he handed it to Percy and said, here, analyze this and see if it gives me any clues to how do we track down Bliss, I thought two things. I thought, wow, the chain of evidence really sucks on Titan City. And sure, Percy's going to figure out something that the police labs can't. Tell me another one. Pull the left leg. It plays jingle bells, you know. Um, and then I forgot. Oh yeah, well we've got we've got uh, uh, Caravaggio, which seems to be the greatest AI in the galaxy. So just short of Orac at times. So maybe they can. I don't know. But uh, I honestly was sitting here thinking well this is just some way for percy to accidentally get injected or marcus to accidentally get injected with the drug Uh, and then it wasn't accidental no it wasn't (sighs) 
So that, that, that is building to something in in later episodes. God, I hope it's her killing herself because there's a character that just needs to off herself and be done with it. And and I will not be sorry to see her go. I know that she won't be gone because I know they brought her back for something in the final Redux episode. But yeah, <clears throat> as an old lady. But uh, yeah, uh, she's truly peak moron in this episode. And Marcus is not much better. Yeah. So he sees Percy when she gets whacking herself and he figures out what it is. Okay, I'll give him that. But he doesn't know what to do. And I'm shouting at the TV, sedate her. That's what she says. Not for like another 15 minutes. Exactly. It takes a little while, but and, <laughs> and, and then, she, then, she, then she did it to herself. And and I okay, let's let's just haul the whole thing. First off, she's she's beating herself, she's enjoying beating herself, she's I don't know, for some reason she's enjoying trying to provoke Marcus. I don't know if she wants him to hit her, but why does it matter? Um and I didn't quite get the the aggressive aspect of that. And yet she seems to have enough wherewithal to tell him to put her in the brig. And I can't figure out why, because when she said that, I'm like, and how is that going to stop you from hurting yourself? I don't understand what's going on here. So he puts her in there, and of course, she's beating herself against the cell, which is, you know, nice and hard. So it's like, okay, are you guys dumb? Sedate unconscious would be the only way to let this pass out of her system. And then restrain her, although she might enjoy the struggling. But so keep her sedated. And then she tells him to sedate her. So he tries and she attacks him for it. But instead yes. of attacking him for it to stop him from doing it, she takes it and does it to herself. I don't understand what's going on there. I can't make head nor tail of the insanity in that brain. And I, yeah. Why? Why did she do that? I don't know. Surely it wasn't because she wanted to make sure the shot was as painful as possible. It's like, no, 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 no. Don't put it in my arm. Put it in my temple. Pop. It's like, that'll hurt more. That I could have maybe seen if she had done something that made it look like the shot was really going to hurt when she did it. That I could maybe see. But she doesn't. And I, I don't know. Doesn't make any sense. Didn't make any sense. I don't think it was meant to make any sense. And I think it was meant to kill some time. I, I, I don't know. The other thing that I thought was very strange about the structure of this story is Frankel. What about Mr. Frankel? Was his entire appearance in this episode about 45 seconds and he didn't even bother to walk out with him on the perp walk at the end? It was very brief. Maybe, maybe it was a minute and a half. I don't know. But it was really quick. Yeah. I mean, he shows up, toss him a gun. I mean, there was the one, you know, one sentence on the view screen. Which, I, I gotta tell you, I was thinking Travis from Blake 7. Travis 2, I gotta say, too. Not Travis oh. 1. Oh, and, I, uh, I, do get, I do get the reference, yes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, toss me on. Well, you owe me a favor. Uh, not anymore. Okay, shoot, shoot, shoot. Bad guys caught. And then, and then Travis and the other three walk the criminals out at the end of the episode. And Frankel's gone. He didn't, he didn't even follow them out the door. It's just like, I... This is a really strange way to structure in that character. Uh, they didn't do anything to make him that suspicious. And 
it didn't make any sense that it didn't make any sense that that Montana needed Galley to to contact him when obviously he knows him. Yeah, just very strange, very strange. Just it was kind of all over the place. Also, why did the guys not kill him when they were beating him up? Oh, um, I didn't wonder about that. Um, it did seem rather inefficient of them. I mean, they had him down. Yeah. He was collapsing, and then they left to go to tell the boss. Like, oh, he got away. No, he didn't. <laughs> you left him there. It seems, that, it seems that Bliss has some rather inefficient hoods. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, it's, it's, starting at the top of that organization right. is not the not, – not the brightest batch. It's, 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 there's, there's no surprise there on that one. I thought at first that those guys were on Anista themselves. I did too. Then they would never have stopped. Right. So that seemed a little that seemed a little weird, but uh, it just yeah, it just I, I don't I didn't think much of the narrative structure of this story. I also am very curious, and I I'm, I'm using that term very loosely about saying very curious. Uh, I'm wondering why they made such a big deal about Rodolfo whining and whining and whining about them not getting paid when they had no work anyway. Yeah. And then when he went to look for work, everything he found, he's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, that's how, that's how freelance work is. You either take the work you can get or you go hungry. <laughs> like, yeah. And it doesn't look like Rudolfo's missed many meals. No, it so doesn't. It's the, it, it's almost like that and and Percy's bit were like contractual obligation scenes. I, I need some parts. I need something to do in this episode. All right, you can grumble about not getting paid. And would I be right in thinking at the end of this, they probably got a nice big uh, reward? Um, they probably did. I was thinking uh, about that because um, then they got the... Um... I would say drug lord, but drug lady. And um, I imagine the Southern Federation was... I would certainly think there's there's usually, you know, a reward for bringing in the, the bad guy. So that was... Uh, and All right, let's see. What else have we got? Uh, uh, Dahlia, uh, her little speech at the end. I didn't write it down word for word. I assumed that you would have it written down word for I word. I didn't write... I do have the essence of my brain. Go ahead. It, it, it was, my conscience is clear. I don't kill these people. They kill themselves. That was and, what she said. So, and more, and more Travis is like, yeah, more or less. And then Travis says, that sounds like it's very practiced. And <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go. Well, okay. So when, when somebody has a justification like that and they rattle it off like that, I get what, what Montana is saying. It's like, that, that sounds like what you say to yourself to convince yourself that you're not killing these people, right? Yeah. But I uh, I don't think so, because I don't think she cared. That's, I agree with you. I wrote um, that she has no conscience. Yeah, she has no conscience. She she And so when Montana said that, I said, that's a, you're seriously misreading that woman. That is not a practiced response. That's what she feels. Nothing. No guilt. No culpability, no, and so that does open the one opportunity that she is just crazy, and so therefore her bad business decisions are because she's crazy. But then, you know, would she be able to keep from getting caught for as long as she did? I, I 
don't know. And then, of course, the whole bit about her daughter being, you know, would have been more convincing, actually, if she had killed her own daughter. I mean, not necessarily, you know what I mean? She had given her daughter the Anista, and then her daughter had died from it, and that was like, yeah, well, she didn't, I didn't kill her, and she did it to herself, so that's okay. I just put that gun in her hand. She pulled the trigger. You know, could be an interesting topic for discussion there about for them on the show and and points about whether or not there's culpability there. I'm going to come down on the side of, yeah, no, you killed him. Uh, But nothing. They just went off and I don't think they did anything. Oh, no, then Travis went and had his little talk with um, uh, Garrick. Garrick? Yeah, Garrick. Garrick. Old friend of the Dantes. Yes. I, um, obviously he knew that Travis had been stolen by raiders. Yes, and then then Dante had left um, Titan and Garrick Become a bounty hunter. Yeah. And Garrick stayed. Because, you know, if if he lost touch with Dante about the time they were stolen, then he wouldn't necessarily know that Dante had gone off to become a bounty hunter, but he did apparently did know that. Well, he he did did. know because he he called the tulip. He knew to. Right. He he must have known somehow, yeah, um, to try to track him down. Right. He's got a picture of him and baby Travis, which I, I, I guess, I guess I probably have some pictures of some of my friends with with, you know, one or both of my kids when they were babies. I don't know. I, I have like my dad and my wife's dad. And but I guess other people probably glom onto people's babies easier than than people I know do for for picture taking. But um was that the worst picture? <laughs> it was, uh, well, the worst. that's one of the, a bald baby. It looks like a bald baby. It's, um, but at, uh, I was thinking it, some it was, did someone find an old picture of Nigel Bennett, who was the actor? And, um, Photoshop do, in the, and do, do, yes, and do, and do the, the Photoshopping as, I don't know. Could have been his own kid. Yeah, you know, could just have you got a picture. But but here's why I, I kind of thought that was weird. And I know this is, you know, picking on early 2000s. Um, I think in the early 2000s, I had a digital camera. And when I look at the pictures that I took with that digital camera, yeah, 1998. I had one in 1998 um, because I've got some pictures from when I went to Japan. And... They look terrible because digital cameras, which were super high tech at the time, produced awful pictures, right? Sensor technologies, nothing like what they have now. They used a digital camera for that picture. They used a crummy digital camera for that picture, or they made it look like it came from a crummy digital camera and printed it out on a printer. Yeah. And I think they did that because... That's what the future of photography looks like. And I'm going to say that was a miss. That was a miss. This this is what was high tech when we were making the episode. And so everyone looking at this is going to think, yeah, pictures in the future are all going to look crappy. <laughs> like this. Because that's how digital pictures look now. And they'll always look that way. So well, I uh, seem to remember, just going back one episode, that there was a, there were those holograph, those holograph pictures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's very inconsistent about how they represent their technology. But I mean, it was, you know, I, whatever, 20 years, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, oh, no, no, no. Let's see. We're, we're 15 years in the future plus 15. So that's 30 years ago. Right. Right? Yes, we are. 
yeah from from when travis was a was a wee lad and then even then it might be longer because travis wasn't a baby when he was abducted so no yeah. but anyway it's it's you know i guess yeah now we've got holographic pictures 30 years ago in the far-flung future we we had crummy digital <laughs> snapshots <Right. tape. laughs> yeah let's see i i don't have anything else um, I do have. I have a little bit more. Um, the we get some we get some information here about the Mars Federation. It's yes, not, we did. Yeah. Yes, if you care about you know a bill of rights or anything like that, um, don't live in the Mars Federation. It is more or less a, a police state in the form of a republic. Are we able to to draw that out from just this? No, episode. I mean, but I'm drawing we, that out from episodes. Well, we would only be able to draw it out from episodes that occur in season two because season one was so far ago right. that I don't know. Now, you know, the dr- they've got the drug trade locked down. You just throw enough. Apparently, you just throw enough money and manpower at it, and the drug problem can be solved. And you take the so take the solution of the president of the Philippines, which is shoot them. <laughs> I, I I don't I don't know that we got well, and I don't think it stopped it in the Philippines either. No, um, and it hasn't hasn't stopped it anywhere, no matter how much money no. and effort you. But throw the Mars at Federation it. has apparently, yeah. But the Mars Federation apparently has is brought cracked down within with within the according to the characters in this story in this episode. And they've really pushed the civil liberties boundaries back, and it's so far that even Callie, who um, is hardly a, he was, yes, who is a Martian and hardly a bleeding heart, is um, thinks that it goes too far. I I I absolutely agree that that was what was said. I don't trust anything that Dali had said about it, um, except that she couldn't get stuff into Mars. Right, so that right. that much we that much we can establish as fact. That part is fact. That apparently you can't get drugs on Mars, and that both Callie and Rudolfo said, "Well, if you don't mind what you have to do, or you don't mind what happens to get there, or something to that effect." <clears throat> right, it didn't say what it was. I, I don't. No. I genuinely don't. Was I, I don't. I genuinely don't have a feel for have been curtailed and in what. And in one aspect of it, um, Mars might be a really nice place. That's not defending totalitarianism. It's just, you know, in this episode, Mars is real good at keeping the drugs out, and they don't much care how they do it. That is, that is what this. Yes, that is what happened. It is that does come up in this episode. And as I said, I am actually drawing from subsequent episodes as well. Okay, I was going to say I don't know. In the next yeah. episode, Mars may be a free for all uh, gunfight but, city for everybody's running around, packing heat, and killing each other right and left, yes. and the cops don't care because that's the you know the level of consistency we get in some of the writing in the show. So, but the but the consistency with regard to the government of the Mars Federation is very good, and it and just taking all that together and say say I'm glad I don't live in a place like that. Well, no, especially considering on Mars is where you can auction off your bodies but, for yeah, organ I dogs. know. It's, Mars <laughs> so, is a terrible place. Um, okay, well, now wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> let's, 
let's just I'm going to this is in my notes for when we wrap up the series but I'm just going to touch on it right here okay. everywhere in this solar system is a terrible place yes everywhere there is nothing appealing about this solar system at all it's a good point Mars is worse than than most of the rest so eh. <laughs> like eh. we're so looking at we're, we're looking at we're looking at a total dystopia yeah I let me one last review here on my part. Okay, so this is a short one. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the next episode of Star Hunter Redux is Skin Deep. Skin Deep. Haven't we already had one called that? No. Maybe it's some other show. Okay. It's some other show. That sounds familiar. All right. Well, in that case, uh, Kenneth, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. And listeners. I hope you join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode of Fusion Patrol, we hope you'll consider supporting us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol or buymeacoffee.com slash fusion patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently doing a special series on Season 2 of Babylon 5. There's over a decade of previous episodes available at fusionpatrol.com. Come join the conversation on our website or Twitter. You can also find some of our other works at soundcloud.com slash fusion patrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.